Let me tell you today about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, or you can record it on another device or platform and transfer it to Anchor. It will distribute your podcast for you through Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast right in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome into the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. I'm David Hosting, here with my friends, my family, Art Tornabeni and Eric Mendelson. What's going on, fellas? David, David, I got to tell you, we have had some excitement in my house recently. We have a plant out back, parsley plant. And this morning, or last night, rather, I found out that there is false parsley in my parsley plant false parsley is poisonous it's not even native to the united states someone's trying to murder my family so <laughs> so the, the 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 moral of the story is just because you don't think you have enemies doesn't mean you don't have any so i have to say i did not think that's where we were going to go with the start of the show today <laughs> i didn't think i was going to get uh, have poisonous plants in my in in my wife's uh, back porch parsley plant, um, I I mean I have no proof that someone's trying to murder me, but it's really suspicious. That's all I'm saying. Are you gonna set up like a cam outside just to watch? I feel like. Um, do you remember that that Antoine Dodson guy where he's like, "You are dumb. You are really dumb. We gonna find you." And they like oh, auto feed yes, him. Yes. I feel like I feel like Antoine Dodson. Hey, parsley man, we gonna find you. We going to find you. That's how I feel. <laughs> Eric, how you doing? Man, I wish I had that much excitement. The highlight <laughs> of my day so far has been waiting 45 minutes in line to go food shopping. Oh, my gosh. That I, I can say just coming from the grocery store, I feel that, man. It's, it's unbelievable, especially on the weekends, the amount of people that are at the grocery store. Um, well... We're here to not talk about grocery shopping. We're here to talk about baseball. So let's start right in with our news and notes. First bit of news we have is Major League Baseball finally came down on the Red Sox, and maybe not in a way that people will agree with. Red Sox had their video replay system operator JT Watkins suspended without pay for the 2020 uh, season and stripped of the team was stripped of its second round pick for this year. Um, And that is the total amount of punishment received for the investigation. Art, I'm going to start with you. Do you feel like this punishment was suffice for the crime that the Red Sox committed? No, I, I don't think it suffices. And I think it's, it's a travesty of justice that this video replay room operator, Watkins, is the one who's taken the the brunt of the blame. I'm sure he's not a guy who makes millions of dollars doing what he does. 
but he gets to go home for a year without any pay because the Red Sox decided to video replay, uh, video scout other teams illegally. I'm sure it wasn't his decision. Uh, I mean, they just happened to have the ringleader of the Astros cheating scandal in their dugout. I can't imagine that uh, Cora wasn't at least somehow behind this whole thing, but it seems to come down on this video replay operator. It's nonsense. It's another black eye for the commissioner's office in baseball. And the problem with that is that the only time you ever hear about them is when they're doing something stupid, when they're messing things up. It's stupid. It sucks. For the people that don't know, we actually recorded this segment uh, a little bit earlier. And uh, Art was literally on the verge of cursing. He was so angry. (laughs) He's the gift passion twice, two times in a row. I give him mad props for that. Uh, Eric, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, I agree with Art. I think Manfred has handled this situation horribly. I don't think that this is really a punishment at all. Um, You're affecting more of an individual rather than the team. I don't think that this is going to set a precedent for teams to really kind of, you know, say, oh, man, we're never going to do this again um, because it's not really the players or anyone that's directly involved or getting the benefit of it, um, getting punished. So I'm with Art, uh, black eye for Manfred. And, um, you know, I, I think he's handled this whole situation poorly. Yeah, I, I think everyone would agree this is just horrible. Uh, a second-round pick and suspending the video replay guy is not nearly when, enough for what was committed. Um, when you counter that, sorry, sorry to David, I, but, like, when I, I just compare it to, like, the NCAA, which takes national championships from programs like that, for, for any sort of scandal, MLB deciding that they can't punish the organization, and these are championships or organizations, because of cheating, uh, and, and they set themselves to a lower standard than the NCAA, I don't know. I, I compare the two, and I think the NCAA it, crazy, because the NCAA screws everything up, too, comes out looking better than MLB at this. That's true. Who <laughs> would have thought NCAA looks better? Than, uh, than a professional organization for once. Exactly. I think, I think we'll have to have another another discussion for another day. I, I think it'd be interesting to see if maybe either of us think there'll ever be a point where a crime could be so bad that they would strip a team of a title. Um, but again, we'll have but maybe that discussion for another day. Um, we're going to move into our next bit of news here. The... South Korea is, begets, is set to begin their regular season on May 5th. These games are scheduled to be played without fans in attendance. Each team will have four exhibition games before the regular season games will start commencing. Does this set a similar path for Major League Baseball as well? And do you feel that uh, just in general, this could be possible for Major League Baseball? So, Eric, I'm going to start with you. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's some encouraging news. Obviously, with the coronavirus, it started overseas and then, um, you know, Bama ended up in the United States where it's, it's hit us pretty hard. Um, but I think if there's it gives us a blueprint to potentially follow, I think games will have to be played without fans and uh, kind of in a smaller environment that, like the Arizona League. But, uh, you know, seeing that there is baseball going on, um, I do think that it will at least help make decisions for the MLB uh, in the following weeks. Art, you echo those sentiments as well. What do you think? Uh, I mean, I, I think that 
MLB has to decide what they're going to do when someone comes down with coronavirus, because I think it is a question of when and not if. And until that question is answered, the MLB, you know, isn't going to go put a start putting a product out on the field because, you know, someone on the Cleveland Indians tests positive. He's been in the locker room for weeks with all those other players. Uh, I, I'm not sure um, that the KBO opening um, means anything for Major League Baseball. I think if the KBO can manage to stay open and has a good plan for that circumstance, MLB can copy that plan. I think one can hope at this point because we all want baseball. Yeah. And I think at one point or another, they're going to need to make some kind of decision, probably within about the next month or so. Um, but with that said, we're moving to our last little bit of news here. Uh, according to Jeff uh, Passan of ESPN, the majority of MLB teams will pay their baseball ops through May. A nice, a great gesture from a lot of these clubs. But I actually found... Some of these teams that are not included on this list are the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Mets, and the Nationals, some of the uh, four of the biggest markets in baseball and highest revenue teams. Uh, meanwhile, there's a team like the San Diego Padres uh, who are actually announced that they're going to pay their employees all the way through October 31st. So great gesture from a team like the Padres. Um, either of you guys, is it interesting that these big market teams uh, – are the ones refusing to pay their employees, uh, you know, throughout the season? Because I, I found it really interesting. They're going to crumble. They're going to pay them. They're going to look – the Yankees will look so cheap if they don't pay their guys. And every one of them will. Yeah, what I think is interesting is the Nationals are probably – have an all-time high in revenue from just winning the World Series – um, you know, having the having the postseason go through D.C., um, you know, the championship parade selling apparel. So at a time like this, where I feel like everyone is valuable, it, it seems like, you know, they're they're kind of being cheap and cutting corners. Yeah, I think Art's right. I, I do think that with this information getting out there, I think teams will everybody, including them, will all start paying them. And I think ultimately they will be paid throughout the year. Um, at least we hope so. But um Nice job, guys. We're going to now uh, let you guys know for the rest of the our podcast, we actually had on the Welsh, um, who is a podcast host on In This League, and he's also the host of the fantasy baseball podcast Prospect One. Um, great guy. We had a ton of fun interviewing him, talking with him. We actually talked about some prospects, did a little fun prospect face-off game. And uh, it was just a pleasure to talk to him. I think I echo for all three of us that we all had a blast talking to him. Um, really big D-backs fan. Um, and uh, picked his mind about a little bit uh, of some of the prospects that he's talked to in the past. So uh, we're going to get out of here now. And we're going to let you guys listen to our interview with the Welsh. Uh, anything you guys want to say before we get out of here? Guys, follow us on Twitter at TripPlayFantasy. Tell your parents, tell your grandparents, if you're worried about grandma being home by herself, we're that soothing voice that will uh, keep her company. <laughs> we're, we're three bass are you, voices. Are you soothing a lot of grandmothers, Eric? <laughs> we can be. 
What about what, what about we're just be those voices for when you leave your animal at home just so they think someone's home? <laughs> yeah, just put on triple play. We got a lot of episodes already. <laughs> or anything you want to say to the people before we get out of here? Uh, I think we did our Jeff McNeil shout out in with the Welsh. So uh, only uh, hope y'all are enjoying. Hope it's uh, starting to look like spring wherever you're you're living. Um, uh, that's all I got for today. All right, guys. We'll enjoy our time with the Welsh. We'll talk to you guys next week. Well, we welcome in the Welsh. Besides him having the best Twitter name, he is also the podcast lord on In This League, the host of the fantasy baseball podcast Prospect One, and on Fantasy Black Book Pod. The Welsh has been known to visit the Arizona Fall League, uh, spring training, and also studies up on some top prospects and interviews some of the smartest minds in the minor league prospect world. Fun fact, he's a Diamondbacks fan, and his birthday was yesterday, so happy belated birthday, man. Ah, thanks. Like, it's so funny you're re- reading part of like my uh, my Twitter profile because I don't think we all realize how ridiculous we sound when we're like, eh, I'm going to write this cool profile, and then you hear someone else read it, and you're like, Wow, that, that, I sound like an idiot. I sound like an a-hole. So, no, thank you very much. Yeah, post uh, post birthday world now in a in a quarantine world. So I'm glad you guys had me on. Thank you. Yeah. Are you did hungover? you do anything uh, special for your birthday yesterday? So yeah, I kind of like you know we're all quarantined and we're we need to stay in. Broke it a little bit, but you know we can get out into nature and stuff. And I I went out. Me and my wife went out to this is big lake. I know it's Arizona and it doesn't feel like there's lakes here. Uh, just big hiking and lake. And actually, it was, what was kind of funny about it, you know, it was like, oh, it's going to be like a fun hike. And, you know, it's like five miles around this lake. And first half was super easy. Then um, even in 75 degree weather in Arizona, the sun gets really bad. We got to this point where we had ran out of water. We were in the middle, so we couldn't turn back. And we and I was literally like, am I going to die on my birthday? And I was like, my wife, I'm like, what did you do? Because we were hot and we were no water and it was sunburned. But we made it out. And after it was like a show naked and afraid where we're like, oh, we made the extraction point. We're so happy. And we were like walking to the car. And that was that was my adventure for my birthday. It's an interesting birthday, to say the least. Yeah, I guess. In the quarantine, like usually it's like, yeah. I drank, I watched TV, and uh, I drank, and, you know, that's that's usually about <laughs> it right now for the last month. Yeah, I was going to ask if you were hungover today. Oh, no, I've actually, for whatever reason, I've been, I think I, I think I did like most of us, or maybe like most are still doing, I kind of like really went in, you know, when the, the quarantine stuff first started, and then I've kind of turned the back turn a little bit for the last like uh, 12 or 13 days, and I was like, I'm going to not do this for a little bit. So I've actually, even on the birthday, I've uh, I've kept solid for a bit. Well, we're all glad that you're still able to celebrate your birthday to the fullest, especially in these uh, tough times. But uh, again, we, we're uh, really thankful having you on. We, we need um, your prospect mind here because uh, in our main content for our show today, we're going to be doing a new segment we're calling Prospect Face-Off. And I know you have a uh, a player profile thing that you guys do, where you guys will pick two players in the in the uh, major leagues and pit them against each other. So I wanted to take something that you do on your show and then add that your prospect specialty spin to it. Um, and the prospects that we were going to look at uh, are six prospects that are kind of on the cusp 
of basically going to be either on the cusp or have already gotten some major league experience. And no one knows who they're going to get signed to. I, I wanted to make sure you guys had two guys each prepared for each debate and then see who's going to win the debate. Um, and we're going to put a poll for each of the three debates on Twitter and then see who the listeners think won the debate for that prospect. Are you guys all ready? Sound good? Yes, yeah. solid. All right. Our first debate. Oh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Love it. <laughs> <laughs> we have Eric going against the Welsh. Eric, you are going to represent Casey Mize. And Welsh, you're going to represent Nate Pearson. Each of you have two minutes to state your case of why you feel that they're the better prospect, not just for the near future, but for the long-term future. So if you're drafting in a dynasty league or potentially uh, redraft league this year, which... Uh, I know Casey Mize might be a little bit far off in that sense, but um, Eric, I'm going to start with you. Sell me on your guy first. Okay, so when I was looking up Casey Mize, the first name that came to me was Shelby Miller. And I know Shelby Miller didn't have a Hall of Fame career or anything, but he had some good years. Um, last year in the minors, he went 8-3 and three with a 2.55 ERA. Uh, pitched 109 innings, but what I felt like was most impressive he only allowed five home runs, so he's very good at keeping the ball in the park. Um, had 106 Ks in those 109 innings, so most uh, strikeout per inning. Some of his o- O2 pitches are two-strike pitches. Um, he throws a nasty splitter and has some really, really good breaking pitches. Has great command. Um, just kind of looking at his mannerisms, he seems very mature and humble for somebody that's 22 years old. Um, you know, somebody that that is very intense and into the game, but not over the top, which I think will kind of uh, allow others to work with him. And, um, you know, like we were talking about Eric Hosmer to not kind of have uh, uh, I've gotten this far. I know um, what's best attitude. But one of my main arguments is kind of against Nate Pearson. Uh, he is a flamethrower, and he tops out at 104. But we're seeing pitchers that throw really hard now that are having Tommy John surgery and, and other elbow injuries. And I think for Dynasty or for you know the longevity, um, while that's very impressive, there's a greater chance of, of injuries down the road. Interesting points. Welsh, what's your counter? Well, I mean, there, there's a lot of things with Nate Pearson to kind of cover here. One, a couple things with Casey Mize here for a second, though. Uh, the the injury thing is a really interesting one because I think that's 100% a wholeheartedly like pitcher thing we can move forward with the minor leagues. And that's why in some of my evaluation when I rank them for like fantasy, I tend to like skew pitchers down a little bit because of the injury risk. But Casey Mize, as much as we focus on the power, uh, hard throwing uh, Nate Pearson, Casey Mize is a guy that um, a lot of like internal, you know, baseball operations people have a little bit of a worry that there's injury as well with that splitter. And that's, it's something I talked to Jim Callis about it on uh, my show prospect one about the, the splitter and the heavy usage of it being a pitch where you're going to see pitchers want to be moved up through organizations like what would happen with Max Scherzer, that, you know, long-term usage of that pitch, like how viable is it going to be? So, you know, both of them have different elements of that. 
I have actually a t- maybe a tiny bit more worry with Casey Mice because one of the things that Nate Pearson has done is Nate Pearson has kind of completely revamped the pitcher that he was, which is really fascinating. I saw him in the AFL around, oh gosh, I don't remember if it was 2017 or 2018, and Mize was really just fastball, fastball, fastball. That's all that he was you know, attempting to run through. Command on the fastball was starting to advance. But this guy over the last year and a half working with driveline has not not only rocks an 80 grade fastball, he's got a sev- uh, probably 60 to 65 grade slider in there. The curveball's gotten better. He's throwing a changeup, which I've seen a bunch of whiffs on. And he's worked on his command. I mean, you talk about the uh, the home run numbers. Nate Pearson has only given up eight career, eight career homers in the minor league since 2017. He's close to a 10K per nine type of guy. In 2019, he struck out 119 batters with only 27 walks. He went through three levels, and he's a big, big power pitcher. You know, I mean, if we're playing fantasy, that's a big thing that we're looking for. We're looking for high-end strikeouts. So, you know, if I'm comparing these two, Casey Mize, I like Casey Mize, and I think from a durability and being able to move through um, a long-term starter, I think Casey Mize has a lot of good value. But he's a little bit higher of a walk guy. He's not as big of a strikeout guy, where Nate Pearson is probably going to be – he's going to walk into 200 strikeouts a year in out. I know uh, Pete Alonzo in the AFL uh, All-Star game – he rocked him. Pearson threw 104 miles an hour down the gut, and Alonzo took it out of the stadium. But he, Nate Pearson has continuously been adding movement on the pitches. Better, I mean, you are seeing the progression, and power pitches are something that we want to uh, – kind of what we want to rock into in fantasy. So I'm going to go Nate Pearson. It's, I, I like both your guys' arguments, but the best part is you guys are stepping on each other. Too, the best part of that. Um Great arguments for both. We're going to move into our next one here. (laughs) Hopefully everybody knows where that's from. Pokemon, man. Uh, We've got Joe Adele versus Luis Robert. Now, Welsh, I know you're a big Joe Adele guy. Huge Joe Adele guy. So, obviously, I have to give you Luis Robert. To start out with, I was about to say, I knew you were going to give me Robert. As you set that up, <laughs> just like, hey, you really like Adele, right? All right, so that's d- not who you get. <laughs> no, I remember you actually, you were on, I think when you were doing um, some of this stuff for CBS, I remember you talking about meeting him and just the kind of just presence he had and how much of a humble guy he was and how much he was impressing you. So I was like, yeah, 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 can't give him the easy it- one. It was actually interesting. The The latest uh, in this league uh, baseball podcast we just dropped on uh, Wednesday was the Spore, the Spore episode. Uh, I actually replayed, just ironically, I replayed part of my interview to Dell. I have a 15-minute interview if people go check it on Prospect One. But I replayed part of my interview with him because we had actually were talking about that was that the day I interviewed him was when baseball was talking about slashing 40 teams. And then just, you know, a couple days ago, we heard that that's probably going to happen. So it's just ironic that you did that because I just was replaying some of that interview. But yeah, he's a great guy. But yeah, you know what? Screw him, though. We want Luis Robert, right? So you want me to get right? You want me to go right into Robert? Yeah, right into Robert. All right. So th- these are actually two guys I've seen a ton of. A ton, ton, ton of uh, when Joe Adele first came in the AZL when he got drafted and Luis Robert when he first came stateside. 
this guy had been attached with all of the physical attributes that everybody would want, but he didn't put it together for a couple years. There wasn't big power. He consistently was getting hurt. The stolen bases weren't quite there, and consistent contact wasn't there. And so many people were down on Joe, uh, not Joe Adele, Luis Robert. And I had stuck with Luis Robert because from a physicality, physicality standpoint, the guy was a rock. I mean, this guy came in years old signing out of Cuba and he was already f- so physically mature. And sometimes you, you've got to make sure that you're attaching yourself to the skills. Well, in 2019, Robert went 328 with 32 homers, 36 stolen bases. And you saw what the physical attributes could put together. Now, I have question marks about Robert's full, full like longevity in the major leagues as far as the type of player he's going to be uh, hitting for contact because he can be aggressive. Uh, he, he's one of those ironic guys where he could be aggressive at the plate while also not swinging at a single pitch to make sure you know he's going to get the perfect one. So it's this weird combo you sometimes see in guys like like Carlos Santana and whatnot. He's not one or necessarily the other. He has major, major real power. I don't think the stolen bases will quite stay, but the advantage that Luis Robert has right now and something that you can't discount is he is currently the guy that what have you done me, done for me lately class. He is the guy that took this clay mold and he put it all together in one spot. This past year, going 32 and 36, one of the more impressive minor league seasons we've seen, where Joe Adele, as much as I like the power, and, and I really think it's going to be elite, Joe Adele's coming off of some pretty weak contact uh, between the regular season and the AFL. The power numbers weren't quite there. And in my interview with him, he was very dismissive of the thought of stolen bases. So I don't think Joe Adele is actually going to be a major stolen base force, even though he is an absolute physical freak. Both of these players are. The White Sox are putting Luis Robert in a position to succeed. The guy is, ha- is he's been hitting, he's running, he's a complete five-tool player, which unfortunately, Joe Adele is not a complete five-tool player right now. And he has some major adjustments that do need to be made in the short term. Unfortunately, there's no baseball being played, so that's going to be a little bit tougher. So pretty easy to go with Luis Robert right now. Art, good luck. What's your counter? Um, the, my counter, um, for one, I think uh, Adele possesses, does possess all five tools. He's 30 for 35 in his career minor league stolen bases. Um, he's only been caught five times in 35 attempts. I think that's pretty impressive. He has, uh, and but the makeup that he shows is 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 next level. The guy started a foundation before he turned 21. Uh, he's helping kids in Louisville. He's he comes from a great family. He's the type of guy who has a good head on his shoulders. Will be able to take the bumps when he gets to the major leagues and uh, overcome them. He's in, a, he's in an organization also with Mike Trout, with Albert Pujols, with Anthony Rendon, a lot of great vets that he can learn from. So I think that's going to help him a lot as well. Another thing that I really liked about him is that he showed an increased walk rate in the Arizona Fall League last year. That's one of the things that I had kind of uh, dinged him for is that he was not really walking at a great rate prior to that. But uh, it's showing that he's developing and that great makeup is coming through, that the, the walk rate has increased. The other thing that I really like about him is he's another one of these guys that people go, oh, did you hear the way the ball comes off his bat? You know, they said that about Mickey Mantle. Uh, 
and not that he's going to be Mickey Mantle, but the guys who who the ball sounds differently coming off their bat, they they generally show special power in the big leagues because the bat speed is just there. Uh, I've listened to him uh, interviewed a few times. Uh, prospect one, he did an interview on the Kane, her, uh, Miami Hurricanes Kane cast recently as well. The guy just has a great head on his shoulders. I think he's going to make the adjustments to the major leagues very well. I like his future in baseball. One thing I am curious about is with Luis Robert, you know that he's going to be starting because they don't have necessarily the blockage that they do for Joe Adele. I think right now the Angels have a, a surplus of outfielders, so you have to wonder if Adele, you know, in a normal year, you wonder if he starts out the year in the majors, but maybe in the shortened season, uh, since everybody's in line to try to kind of go for it all, maybe both these guys from day one are plugged in. Yeah, I think also I'd throw in a, like I think there's some context there because at the end of the day, for for clarity, I'm a Joe Adele guy here. Like Luis <laughs> Robert is coming off. If if I'm if I'm picking for 2020, it is so blatantly clear Luis Robert or you know mm-hmm. I mean really at this point like 20 2021 20, however you want to look at it in the the near term I'm picking uh, Luis Robert because he's going to be set in a position to put out production and there's a really good lineup a- around him the Angels have they have a surplus but it's a lot of jags like just just some guys like Brian Goodwin isn't the type of player that holds Joe Adele down it's that Joe had. He had such a run. I've said this a million times. It's really annoying to people that ever listen to me. But like Adele crossed five levels last year. And that's what I talked to him about. He he got hurt, which really set him back. And he, and he told me about this. And, and many players. It was a trend of like Royce Lewis did the same thing. He was the first guy I interviewed. And, you know, he, he said that in, that injury he had at the beginning of the year, that set him back the entire year because it was injury then he was trying to recover from that injury while he's playing. Then he's kind of playing his own spring training. So he really never caught up to himself. Joe Adele had the same thing, but then he crossed three levels. Then he came to the AFL and then he played for Team USA. And this is this is a smarter guy. Joe Adele is smarter than uh, like I would say 85 of the players I've met. And that's not a down talk to any of the other players I've talked to. He's so locked into who he is. I mean, he uses a lot of analytic stuff. He's a high-end physical guy. There are a lot of minor leaguers that people people don't realize. There's a lot of guys that go out there and they're they're not pressing. Joe Adele is not a guy that presses. And sometimes you don't do that at the lower levels you're going to see some weird results you're going to see some 280 batting average from, from a skill standpoint he can run i don't think he will he can hit boy do i think he'll hit and he can hit for power and sure as hell he's going to hit for some serious power so like i have joe adele in my ranks even though robert is where he is right now i have adele a couple spots higher than him right now so i just wanted to add that well, yeah. you know, I I couldn't give you Joe Adele. I, I, mean, I you would have landslided that debate if I gave you Joe Adele. I had some good Robert research. No, I, I'm I'm not accepting that conclusion, uh, David. I'm not accepting that. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, listen, Robert Preston. Like, that's the problem with this one. This is one. Of, this is one of those um, just one A one B situations because Robert is so dang impressive when we put together what happened last year. The problem that I think people should look at is people sometimes have a hard time balancing themselves. I, I It was hard to find people 
in 2018 or uh, yeah, 2018 that were still really in on Luis Robert. Like even like the, the contemporaries and like the prospect stuff, like I would get on, you know, James Anderson's one of my like best friends in this business. I'd get on him all the time because he was like getting off of the Robert train. A lot of people were, and I was holding strong just because he didn't hit for power and he suffered some injuries. Wasn't for me enough of a reason to jump off quite yet that we still had time. And then he just went, nuts he went nuts to a level we couldn't comprehend i think people need to remember to balance themselves a little bit because there were two years of maturation one put together there are still some under that so that's why i really argue that's like well dude i'm like i know but i've here because george Springer kind of did originally that he but robert's got some of that that George Springer might some serious it just all be kind of come, become preference I guess at this point I do like that that's an interesting comparison with George Springer um let's move to the last debate we have here <laughs> this is facing a gym leader <laughs> coincidence what was that one well that sounded familiar what was that that was uh, from Pokemon Red and Blue when you would face a gym leader. Okay, 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 okay. I like yeah, it. I the 8 bit stuff, that, it gets me good. I like it. <laughs> um, so, since you had to pick, or I assigned you the first two of them, well, I'm going to let you uh, start out. You can pick either Michael Kopech or Jesus Lazardo, and I'll take the other one. Okay, well, uh, boy, I do like both of these guys. Um, and I'm going to actually go the opposite of the player that I've seen a whole bunch, and that's Kopech, because I've, I've been uh, following Kopech since 2016, and I've been around him every single year out here. But I'm going to go with Jesus Lozardo, because he's my absolutely favorite, favorite pitching prospect in baseball right now. He is one of the smarter baseball players that I've seen at his age level in a long, long time. He mixes his pitches. He mixes his pitches up not just... Uh, um, an arsenal of fastball, curveball, slider, and plus control. All of those are pluses, by the way. But what he and a changeup, changeup was probably his. But some don't see. Is he met? So he'll go up. He'll go into a normal strike and he'll unload. Next pitch, he's going to hesitate. Maybe then he'll pull a Dan Aaron. He's got four or five different ways in the arsenal of his pitch where he's going to keep batters off balance, which is such a key to me in success of being one step ahead of the batters. In 2019 as well in AAA, the AAA numbers, he only pitched 30 innings. But he had 34 strikeouts, only eight walks. He uh, ended up getting his major league debut, which wasn't in a starting capacity but he struck out 16 and 12 with only three walks had a 1-5 ERA I think and, and this is ironic actually now that I'm thinking about it because you know I did Pearson in the power pitching standpoint where Michael Kopech is a big power pitcher who possesses a unique fastball and curveball combo that is going to be great at the major league level and you can't pick apart injuries with neither either one of these guys because Luzardo he was drafted late because he was coming off a of Tommy John surgery Michael Kopech has had the same so they're both they both had their injury run but this is one of the few instances where I I'm more comfortable with Lazardo's stuff in command against a power pitcher like Kopech than I would be Casey Mize's stuff 
against the power pitcher of Nate Pearson because I, I think I actually think Kopech is more refined and I like him longer term than Nate Pearson. But Jesus Lazardo, I am a sucker in the minor leagues for command, and I'm a sucker for any guy that shows that ability to be step ahead of hitters when you don't have a lot of that in the minor league system. You have a lot of guys that are just trying to pound, pound, pound. Maybe they add in a pitch. This guy is the epitome of he's playing chess when they're playing checkers. So Jesus Lazardo for me over Kopech. Like you said, they're both great guys. Um, but I want to start my argument for Michael Kopech by saying he's engaged to a dime, Vanessa Morgan. Uh, <laughs> Is so. he? Uh, he was with. Uh, he used to be with that um, that reality star's da- uh, daughter. God, do you know what I'm talking about? This this shows uh, how married I am with my wife. It was the uh, <laughs> Croy Bierman. He was a defensive end for the Falcons. He was married to some Real Housewives chick, and her daughter Kopech was with for two years. And she was a smoke show, and then they got they broke up, and now he's got another smoke show. Is I that mean, what you're that, telling that me? Alone is enough to win a debate. I'm actually gonna Google. Uh, what was what was her I'm, name? I'm well. Let's see. Croy Bierman was um, a former defensive. I'm I'm looking to uh, the tardy for the party. It's so embarrassing that I know this. This is the most <laughs> embarrassing moment of my life. Kim Zoli- Zoliak Bierman and her daughter was who he used to be with and now i'm Brielle going to Bierman. yes and she was like uh, a short stint he had a reality show and he was on it kopech was on the reality show with so oh my god wow we share the same birthday that's something we have in common oh my I... god Brielle Bierman. well I, I mean he's he's still staying uh in that high I in territory, but that's <laughs> all right. Uh, I completely took us off guard here, but I was just like, can Kopech have enough? He's ridiculous at this point. <laughs> so yes, he has, he dates dimes and now he's engaged to one. He averages 98 on his fastball and touches a hundred on a regular basis. He actually threw 110 miles an hour with a running start and a three ounce fall, which is incredible. I know it's not the actual size baseball, um, and I know he's getting a running start, but to be able to throw 110 miles an hour, any type of ball is insane. Um, he's got prospect pedigree. He's been ranked in the top 20 by many outlets, usually around number 10 to 15. Um, he's got a great pitch framer in Yasmani Grandal, who's arguably the best pitch framer uh, in Major League Baseball. And he's, got a good, and he's got a good offense behind him. The White Sox, I think, have a lot of good pieces in that offense to give him some run support for this year. Um, and when he pitched against the Rangers in spring training, uh, he got – uh, 11 pitches, six strikes, got up to 100 on, or I'm sorry, he pitched uh, six of his 11 pitches, got up to 100 miles an hour. And he had an easy one, two, three inning on 11 pitches and froze uh, his last pitcher on 101 mile an hour fastball. Um, he averaged in against and his average in the minors, the batters against him averaged 228. That was what it, it topped out at. Um, that was the highest batting average against. It even got below 200 at some levels. Uh, he's had 172 and 170 strikeouts in 134 and 126 innings pitched in the last two years. And he's had a 13, 11, and 12K per nine in the last three years in the minor leagues. So this guy, you know, is a flamethrower. He gets a lot of strikeouts. Um, the one thing you could question was his command, as he did have a high walk rate throughout his minor league track record. Um, with five, four, and, and four in his last three years in the minors. But 
he gra- he greatly improved that towards the end of his last minor league stint before he got called up to the majors. Um, and you could see that when he was his short stint in the majors against my twins, actually, when he pitched two innings and had four strikeouts, one of the few starts he had before he went down with Tommy John surgery. Um, like, well, like you were saying, him and Lazardo both had Tommy John surgery. The only thing I'm a little bit more scared about with Lazardo is, yes, they both had Tommy John. But also last year, you always see have Lazardo coming in the draft with injury concerns. But then he also last year had a strained uh, left rotator cuff that shut him down until June. And then had another latch strain later that month that shut him down until September. So I'm questioning his durability. And then if you look at his minor league track record, he pitched 43 innings. And then the next year, 119 innings. And then the next year, 43 innings. So I'm a little wary that. This guy might not be able to stay healthy. By a while, as Kopech has had that one Tommy John, um, and I'm encouraged that maybe that he doesn't have quite as much of an injury risk. Um, but I, I, you were saying, I don't think you can go wrong with either of these guys. These guys have huge upside. I love both of these guys. I think it's a really good and a really interesting pick you did too. You know, it's so fascinating about Kopech, and I I think these are really really close. And in a for a strategy that I tend to have an investment of pitching prospects is first off, in fantasy I don't overvalue them in a trade to purchase. Now I will overvalue them if I'm selling. But but because you can you can find a lot of these guys, they can kind of keep scrolling through. I don't want to minimize like what Kopech and Lazardo what their value is, but take a guy like Kopech and what his value was recently because of the injury. You know, so I try not to go too crazy with them. And you know, what's the fine line between them? You know, Kopech, what's so crazy about him for seeing him an extended spring tra- uh, not extended spring training. It was a minor league spring training the year that he ended up getting called, and he looked so bad. He looks so bad on the backfield. He came over to Cincinnati. It was over here in Goodyear. It was the Reds and the White Sox. And he, he I did. I can't tell you how bad he looked. His command was off. He was just pumping fastballs. He wasn't getting anything on his changeup. And I was like, what has happened to Kopech? And it's another one of those things you can't discount what happens at the at the minor league level for these guys to work through because he looked like a completely different pitcher when he came to the majors. I mean, his command was on point. He was mixing his pitches like I had not seen before. The last time I saw it was in 17 in the Fall Stars game when he was going up against Brent Honeywell. And, you know, it showed but what that showed you was the refinement of how good this guy really is and how smart he is and how they can properly utilize the minor leagues leading into the major league. So I, I think these are both fantastic dudes. These would be guys I'd be buying on if they were cheap. Unfortunately, Lazardo would not be cheaper. Kopech is a bit, and he's a total sneaky one. But um, yeah, it's a great debate. These are I think these both are going to be studs. Two years from now, we'll be sitting here talking about both of those guys as like top 20, top 25 fantasy options as far as SPs go. Michael Kopech did have Kopech Day when he made his debut. Kopech oh, Day. Yeah. Did they have Kopech Day? Yeah. <laughs> did they he give that to him? Is it official? He's a star, man. He gets, he gets everything. Um, but great debates, guys. We're going to put all those up on Twitter for our listeners to be able to vote who you think represented each player better. Uh, I will consider it. Lucky if I if I uh, if I take it, but we'll we'll find out soon enough. Uh, so let's move to our question of the week. All right, this week's question 
out of every single player in Major League Baseball, and we're going to say they have to be a current player, which player in Major League Baseball would you like to That's right. Grab a nice cold one, Lou. Which player is the one that you think you'd want to go grab a beer with at any point at a bar after a game? Which one is that one you want to talk to and have a chat with? So, uh, Art, I'll start with you. Uh, my my first thought, I was as I was researching today, for today, I thought Joe Adele just turned 21. Maybe Joe Adele's the guy. But then I realized I'm I'm 38. I'm on, I want a guy who's at least close to my age. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to zig here. I think the guy I want to have a beer with is Baltimore Orioles, Chris Davis. Why? Because one, I think he'd buy it Two, <laughs> I, I think, I think this is a guy who's been humbled by life and probably has some good perspective and would be good conversation. Chris Davis of the Baltimore Orioles. He's, 33 going to be 34 this year uh so we're kind of close in age probably had some of the same life experiences uh and uh he's he's buying so chris davis is my answer i like that eric what about you all right so the easy one would be to say jeff mcneil because we love him weekly shout out to jeff uh i was i was thinking cc sabathia at first but then i remember he's a recovering alcoholic so that threw it out of the question (laughs) that'd be a bad one (laughs) yeah i don't want to be a bad influence um but my answer is miguel cabrera i think what you know you talk about someone that's older he just turned 37 i mean he had a triple crown and uh i feel like we don't talk about that enough um there was a video that just came out the other day of him kind of doing shenanigans and being foolish I just think he's a fun-loving guy. Can probably slam back a lot of beers, and I just see us getting drunk together and having a good time. That is not the answer I thought you would give. Uh, all right, Welsh, what about you? It's funny because I was thinking a couple things, like <clears throat> the the amount of prospects I've not many I would want to. <laughs> it's funny you said Joe Adele because, like, I mean, I really <laughs> like Joe. He would be on the bottom list of like he's he's an intense dude and i joke about it in an interview i was just like i was like you got kind of a i'm like you i think you get pegged with it a little bit because you you have a demeanor you have a look you know like i have like a resting b face myself he has a little <laughs> bit of that going on so i'm not like i bet he could get down with it but he would probably be at the bottom of the list the, the next one i thought of was uh eloy jimenez because he has such a damn personality, dude. If you've ever been around him, I, when he was with the Cubs in the AFL, he was, I don't even remember how old he was at that time, 20. He was the life of the party in the dugout. He's screaming at all his teammates. He's just, he's the best. He's like that to this day. One of the last games I went to in, before was at the White Sox, and he was doing the same stuff again. But I'm going to turn, and I'm going to pick the most blatantly obvious guy, which I cannot believe. You, if this was a draft, you just let the the steel of the draft slip to me. And he's a guy that was amazing to be around a year or so ago in the AFL. It is clearly Pete Alonzo. I cannot oh, believe you guys really? wouldn't want to go. Oh. Pete Alonzo taking his shirt off, the big bear, the polar bear is going to take his shirt off. He's going <laughs> to chug beers. I mean, Pete Alonzo, he is, as you see him, 
He is exactly that person in real life. He was just like that in the AFL. He was having fun talking to every single fan and person and personnel person. He loved to talk to people. He absolutely loved the game, whether you were talking baseball, whether you were talking about his Gators. It didn't matter. Alonzo is one of the most fun-loving people I've ever been around. He loved the game. He loved just baseball in general. I saw like him talking to people about their autographs and making sure that were right and stuff and he just translated that to the major leagues he is bar none the number one guy i would want to go party with that's a good answer i I am shocked i am genuinely shocked especially you eric that you guys did not say my answer it's trevor bauer i mean not a more interesting guy he's a good one to go and just have a drink with and just pick his brain i mean this guy is the most out there player in baseball. I mean, in all sports, he's one of the most players that like out there. And you just look at his Twitter. I mean, you just his thing that he said. I mean, he talks trash online to other players. I mean, he's he's just the most interesting man in baseball in my mind. So I, I think having a drink with him, I would have as much fun getting drunk with him as much as just hearing him just talk. There, yeah, but I feel about, like the one thing about Trevor Bauer is you could say the smallest thing and that would upset him a lot, and then he'd throw his drink in your face and leave. A hundred percent agree with that. I hundred like there is something to like those guys. I almost thought about saying Zach Granke because he is the most is the weirdest, most socially awkward human being I've ever been around, and how he <laughs> acts. Like there's something to like seeing what unwinds from that. Like, I don't like Trevor Bauer personally, but I, I get your point. Like there would be something to seeing how that all, all goes out. Like maybe just sit there and watch them just lay on the drinks, just buy them another, be like, here you go. Here's another one. And see what comes out of it now. I'll, okay. Uh, th- instead of it uh, being, who would you want to have drinks with? Who would you want to watch get drunk? We'll change the question that way. That's, the, <laughs> uh, that's, that's great. Then for sure. Um, yeah. All right. Well, Let's move quickly. We'll move into our last segment here, our game of the week. All right. So, Walsh is a Diamondbacks fan, as we all know. So, Eric has this week's game prepared with a little bit of a Diamondbacks theme. So, go ahead, Eric. All right. So, uh, Chris, you will be playing Art in Arizona Diamondbacks Family Feud. So oh. I have three categories. These are the Arizona Diamondbacks leaders from the previous decade, from 2010 to 2019. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say the category. You're going to say your name and then uh, tell me the answer, and you'll decide if you want to pass or play. Sound good, gentlemen? Yeah, I like it. All right. So the first category is home runs from 2010 to 2019. Top five right, answers Welsh. on the board. I heard Welsh. Welsh, repeat your answer again. Luis Gonzalez. Uh, no. Oh, you said 2010. Dang it. <laughs> Dang it. I get a big fat X. Like I didn't even hear. I got so excited about it. I get a big big fat X. Bang. All right, that's me. Art. Uh, I'm gonna, Paul Goldschmidt. Clearly. clearly Paul Goldschmidt. Goldschmidt is the number one answer. Art, pass or play? Uh, I, I'm gonna pass. Okay. 
All right, next up on the board. Yeah, so now I'll be like, Richie Saxon. I'll just keep saying <laughs> names of players that haven't played with the Diamondbacks for a long time. Um, I'm drawing, yeah, see, I'm, now I'm drawing a complete blank on 2010 to current, right? Yes. Ooh. I don't know why Homer's got me with my Diamondbacks over the last 10 years, Goldschmidt. Um, all right, I will go with. Uh, David Peralta. David Peralta is the number two answer. Oh, oh wow. Okay. That's a true Diamondback fan right there. Yeah, I don't, oh, well, yeah. you, clearly yeah, you yeah, could hear answers. me struggling with the homers. Wow, I pulled that one out. <laughs> we have answers three through five still up there. Luis Gonzalez. Uh, oh, am I still up? <laughs> yeah. Crap. Um, and I can't pass, can I? <laughs> All right, uh, let's go with another name so I don't drag this out here. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> I'm just like, I am completely drawn a blank of, of every single Diamondback player and where the homers are right now. I said David Peralta, so let's go. Oh, I don't know. Nick Ahmed. That is wrong. That is one X. You still have two more chances. Oh God, if, this is. I mean, and then if okay. Art if Art gets it right after your two missed incorrect answers, then Art gets the category. Oh, okay. I just got one that just came back to me. Uh, Miguel Montero. Miguel Montero is the number five answer. We have three and four on there. I'll give you thirty seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely time me here so I can. Miguel Montero. Stephen Drew? Stephen Drew is incorrect. That's two strikes. Oh, 30 man, seconds guys. restarts now, and you have three and four on there. You guys made this tough. Uh, oh, Justin Upton. That is wrong. Oh, no! <laughs> what a horrible Diamondbacks fan. You got 30 seconds. I need the number three or the number four answer. AJ Pollock? AJ Pollock is right. He wow. was the number four answer. Oh man, Art takes the category. Art takes the first category. Jake Lamb That's was a... number three. That, I oh. was gonna say Jake Lamb. Yeah, you know who I was gonna say? Mark Reynolds. Mark Reynolds was the other one. But you see, you can see where my brain was going of go of trying to go to like the latter half of the Diamondbacks. Where was Ren was Reynolds on that? I think he was six. Had to be. Okay. Good All job, right. Art. Thanks. The next one is uh, pitcher wins for the Diamondbacks. Top five answers. Welsh. Welsh. Okay, for so this is 2010 on, right? Yep. Okay. Uh, let's start with Granky. Zach Granky is the number two answer. Art, do you uh, can you guess the number one? Um. Oh gosh, I'm only thinking of older pitchers now. No, me too. I <laughs> like Brand, Brandon Webb. No, um, that's what uh, I would say. <laughs> Brandon <laughs> Webb is incorrect. Okay. Well, do you want to pass or play? Oh man, I have been doing so horrible with this. Um, I'm gonna pass because he's already got an X on him. All right, Art. We have one, three. 
four and five on the board. 30 seconds starts now. Oh, shoot. Um, Art, I'll give you a hint. Do not say Zach Gallon. <laughs> All right. Thanks for that hint. Uh, shoot. Oh, my God. I am blanking on every Diamondbacks pitcher right now. Uh, why am I coming up? Diamondbacks. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh. Five uh, seconds. Omar Tull. <laughs> Omar Tull. <laughs> That's, That's one enough. X. <laughs> All right, uh, 30 seconds starting again um shoot they've had some good teams yeah um, over the past we all 10 think years. of them post 2010 <laughs> that's yeah. what i did <laughs> oh man um I, I definitely know one of these okay 10 seconds left oh jesus christ five four Three, two, one. I got nothing. Who am I going to... It was a big badass. (laughs) So the key to this game is let the other person drown completely and then you steal the win. That's it, right? Because that's how... I mean, my home run thing was embarrassing, but at least I got number two. Now, do I pick one here to steal or did I just win it? So Art Art has one more strike. So Art... Oh, yeah, there's one more. Okay, okay. Okay. All right. All right, focus. All right. Come on now. When they had Granky, when they signed Granky, they had a good pitcher on their staff already. Who the hell was it? Ten seconds. Omar Dahl. It wasn't Omar Dahl? Oh, man. That's not Omar Dahl. Five, four, three, two, one. I got nothing. Randy Johnson. All right. Well, <laughs> your your chance to steal two or one, three, four, five. Uh, one of them's got to be Patrick Corbin. There it Patrick is. Corbin is the number one answer. So there it is. Wow, he's category. the number one. Okay. Wow. Yep. So that means it comes down to the last category. Number three oh was Ian Kennedy. Number uh-huh. four okay. was Robbie Ray. And number uh-huh. five was good old blowing up. In September, away Miley. Oh, yeah. You know, I will tell you that that is tough um, because, you know, me not listening, you started it. When you caveat the Diamondbacks to 2010, it shows how not memorable the last 10 years have been as far as like a historical standpoint, because I do the same thing. As soon as you guys started talking about that, I'm thinking, ah, Luis Gonzalez, Steve Finley. Oh, dog, I'm thinking about the glory years of the Diamondbacks, the the Patrick Corp for Wade Miley to be on a top five list of anything for the Diamondbacks <laughs> outside of garbage is crazy to me. It's crazy. That's a good Are you one. You guys ready for the last category? All yeah. Right. This is the leader in saves. Top four answers are on the board. Welsh. Welsh. This is going to oh, this is going to be a risky, risky thing I'm about to do here. Because so, it is 2010, right? To 2019. Jose Valverde? That is incorrect. Oh, my God. I did Art. it. <laughs> Jeez. Um, uh, oh, Jesus. What was his name? Their closer last year. Who was the guy they signed? Greg, Greg Holland? That is incorrect. Back to you, Welsh. All right. I, I think I got a good one. I think this is a good one. I've, and I've done a show with him one time. Brad Ziegler. 
Brad Ziegler is the number two answer. Welsh, do you want to pass or play? Oh, no. <laughs> I am going to. I, I like to win, guys. I'm going to pass. Ah, yeah, that's a smart I, answer. I came up with Greg Holland last time. Yeah, I, I said Mel today, who uh, uh, he is the all time Diamondback saves leader, but he wasn't apparently even remotely close. So that is a hard pass. All right, Art. 30 seconds on the clock. All right. Um, One, three, and four on there. Okay. Uh, they're closer. Gosh. You know, I was going to. I was going to do better on this one, I thought. But, uh, okay. There. Brad Ziegler. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, who's Five, there? Four, four, three, two. Brad one. Brock. Who'd you say? Brad Brock. That is incorrect. One strike. I think he was on a Diamondback for a few years. Is that a real player? That's not a creative player on MLB The Show. (laughs) (laughs) No, he was on... He was... He's he's a relief. He was an Oriole. He was a Cub. I thought he was was a Diamondback prior to that. But apparently not. 30 seconds on the clock, Art. Eric, am I... Eric, I have not looked anything up. Am I allowed to help or no? No. (laughs) This is one-to-one. That's true. (laughs) Matt Modica. Uh, that is incorrect. <laughs> what? No, not Matt Modica. What the hell? Matt, Matt Modica, CT in baseball, my buddy. <laughs> Matt, Matt something. Manti. That was who I was thinking of. Matt Manti. That is still incorrect. Yeah. All right, 30 um, seconds on the clock for your third. Uh, Jesus, who led their team in saves last year? Holland Dr- Oh, Archie Bradley. Archie Bradley is incorrect. That's uh, three strikes. Wow. Okay. Oh, uh, number right, one is, well, and I. All right. You, four. you win, but can you can you add the icing on the cake by getting one, three, or four? I can. I think I've got one, and number one, and I'll see if I can get the others. Number one is definitely JJ Puts. That is correct. Oh, oh yeah. man! What a name. One. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about JJ. He still worked with the Diamondbacks uh, in their media relations right now. Like he became the all-time uh, more recent saves leader because Valverde is, and then he went in and works with the organization. He's he's a funny dude. So that was one. We had two with Ziegler. So do we need three, four, five? Just three, three and four. four. Right? Yes. Oh boy, you guys are difficult. Um, oh. <laughs> We're not easy men. Fernando Rodney. Fernando Rodney was number three. That's who I couldn't think of. That was the name. I'm actually shocked. uh, You know the number four answer. Number four. You said Greg Holland. Um, Here, here's an off the wall one who got I think one or he got two years of saves, but Chad Qualls. He was an good, Astro, and he was with the Diamondbacks. Good guess, but no. David, I'm going to let you come in and see if you can get this. You can get a little action. I think mm-hmm. he played with them for a couple of years. Craig Breslow? No, that's incorrect. Uh, yeah, I, I thought know? I had it. Addison Reed. Yeah, oh. Addison, stupid Addison Reed, of course. Add a run Reed, we call them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, that's awesome. Oh, man. Good old hey, well, Adam Reed. 
That is the best nickname. Um, well, well, we thanks so much for coming on with us, man. We really loved having you on. Uh, yeah. Oh, I love being on, man. I mean, it's it, I it completely embarrassing showing on the Diamondbacks. What a not true fan. But um, that was a lot of fun. I like the prospect stuff. I like the vibe you guys got going here. And uh, I don't like that family feud Diamondbacks. So Bogman, <laughs> my, my co-host over in this league, Bogman. Uh, prospect One is my own show that I do just on prospects with, you know, full throttle of it. But in this league is like what we do as a whole. And Bogman has been my best friend since we were, um, you know, low teens, barely. He's going to be so disappointed in me when he hears my showing of the Diamondbacks. Like, I bet I, he, he's a little bit more like like tuned in there um, just a tad bit. I bet he would have just destroyed these and I'm going to get killed for this. Louis. Well, you did win. <laughs> I did win, important. but I said Luis Gonzalez in 2019 homers. Come on. I, I almost said Carl's Jr. as the saves leader for uh, <laughs> that that's getting your club's brain in there. <laughs> no, Carl's Jr. Is, isn't that uh, 78 times last year, Bogman had Carl's Jr. Yeah, that's Bogman's thing. Chris Bogman last year, every time the Diamondbacks lost, he had to eat Carl's Jr. And he did it. He uh, he followed through with the bit last year. (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) Well, if you want to hear more of the Welsh, again, you can follow him on any of those uh, podcasts. He's at Is It The Welsh on Twitter. Again, the best Twitter name out there. I love his Twitter name. Thank you. and make sure to, again, check out all the great podcasts. Prospect One in this league. Uh, absolute blast having you on, man. Thanks again. Yeah, Thank you guys you. rock. Thank you so much. Uh, Thanks, to come back from- See you.